We thank you for your work in our hearts and lives and your blessings. We ask you to do what only you can. And, Lord, we're so thankful when we can see with our physical eyes the unseen hand of God moving in circumstances in people's lives. Thank you for your protection and blessing and keeping us, giving us strength and wisdom to serve you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have the go ye kids to go ye. And the rest of us, if you need an outline, wave your hand there, and uh, Brother Brett will give you one. Purposely tried to keep this outline a little bit under wraps until the service got started so you didn't get too far ahead. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about my music. Uh, everyone has their choice. Certain people like certain songs that other people don't uh, like, and... Uh, we can be, uh, we can get very, very uptight about those things, and, and we have to be very careful. Um, the point here is God does give us some uh, room to move and enjoy things, but I hope that uh, you do understand uh, when we talked about how music, the mechanics of music, we have that error of common practice. Uh, that goes from about 1600, 1650, all the way up to 1900. Uh, th- there were, of course, aberrations, but uh, uh, the general rule was people put music together all the same way. And now, a Beethoven symphony sounds very different than a hymn and all of these things, and uh, then you try to take a traditional bluegrass song and put in there and you say, that's not even close. Well, actually it is. It is the same mechanics. It is the same chords. Um, the chords are built the same. And one of the things that I want to do, I want you to pray with me about this. I'm trying to figure out, uh, like I said, uh, just a way that we could take uh, a service maybe and actually uh, not pass the microphone around as much as divide uh, the church up into some different groups and have people uh, learn how to sing and maybe even... Well, just pray with me about that because uh, not everyone uh, has had the privilege of musical training. Some people think, I can't sing, and they can actually sing very well. And other people go, oh, I can sing, boy, I'm really, and they're not. And uh, this isn't a place to uh, uh, where uh, we're trying to uh, put you in a box and tell you you can't sing or you can sing. But uh, what we have done as a church, and just to give a little bit of this as well, is we've tried to have our music groups. We uh, actually um, listen and talk to different people and and test different people out on a private basis so that no one's embarrassed singing in front of others. And, and, and then they're brought into the groups and we try to uh, do the music as uh, carefully and as God-honoring as we can. Uh, one of the things that I hope that you understand, just because I didn't mention a song or play an excerpt of a certain, does not mean that it's good or bad. 
but if, if you understand this, classical music is assembled correctly. Not all classical music is good. Some of it talks about really terrible things. And uh, uh, we have this one, uh, what, what is the one everybody loves? Phantom of the Opera, I think. Uh, everybody just loves that song. How many of you know what that song is really talking about? Uh, I remember uh, Deborah once, oh, I brought this book home from the library. It was Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I said, can I take a look at that? I actually read it. It's terrible. They can't do on the Broadway stage what's in the book. The book is filthy. And perverted beyond your imagination. And uh, whoever wrote it, I think they were smoking or drinking something. I mean, it was just weird, weird stuff. Do we want that kind of stuff in our relationship with God? No, we don't. When we talk about church music, we don't have a lot of wiggle room there. We're talking about sacred music. If it's not sacred, we really don't want to have it in church. That's just the long and the short of it. But there, there is music that we can choose to listen to. Uh, I make a lot of long drives, two or three, to Oklahoma City every year. And uh, this week, I get surprise, surprise, get to drive from Tampa to Toledo. Uh, and uh, hopefully, I won't be doing all the driving, but uh, probably a good portion of that. And so, um, I, I like to uh, sometimes put my headphones on and turn up the music nice and loud and keep me alerted to the roads and not distracted by all the noise in the van and and uh, uh, there's nothing wrong. God gave us music to be enjoyed. And if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to go to the verse that's most often quoted when someone doesn't like what's going on at church. And that's verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And they want to take that verse and say, listen, I can do what I want. No, that's not what Paul was saying. He's saying, you won't go to hell for doing what you want. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Uh, and he repeats it. When he repeats something, he's given it a double emphasis. You see, in the Old Testament, you have to understand something when you were cut off from Israel, that was it. If you were going to worship God, you had to become a practicing Jewish person. Once the law was given, once Moses got the law on Mount Sinai, if you were going to worship God, you did it the Bible way. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been reading the Bible schedule, the two two times through the Bible in a year. We just finished all of the kings of Israel and and, and, it talks, and the kings of Judah, and it talks about Ahaz shutting up the temple for a period of time, literally shutting the doors on that temple. And 
None of the regular sacrifices were made. Did every Jewish person go to hell because wicked King Ahaz shut the temple? I don't believe they did. Daniel, as far as we understand, never reached an age of maturity while living in Jerusalem where he would be able to stand in line with the others and offer his sacrifices. The temple was destroyed, and in his lifetime, though he lived, uh, if we understand things correctly, well into his 90s, he never once worshipped at the temple in Jerusalem. The Bible is very clear that Daniel was greatly loved of the Lord, though he never offered a sacrifice. You see, salvation is always based on God's grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is a universal verse. And that grace and that faith are all based on God's revealed word. And so as we look at chapter 10 here, I think we can find some applications. And so uh, I want to be careful. This I could preach this sermon tonight for about four hours, and I don't want to do that to you. Uh, and so he starts in verse 1 and says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So there was some issues in the church at Corinth. There was immorality in the church. Uh, a man had actually married his stepmother. I mean... How do you do this kind of stuff? And uh, there were no laws against that in this day. And yet, even in Roman society, an act like that was frowned upon and, and not considered uh, worthy of good society. And here this guy's praying around, I'm a Christian. I have freedom to do whatever I want. Well, that was the prevailing philosophy of the church. And Paul is not endorsing that attitude. In fact, he is condemning it. And he's saying, I want you to understand that our fathers... Now, the Corinthian church was primarily a Gentile church. So why was he saying all our fathers over and over again through these first few verses? Is because he's trying to... He's not trying. He is establishing the fact that the salvation that we enjoy in the New Testament, in the dispensation of grace is the same salvation that was enjoyed by Israel in the New Testament. It comes from the same faith in the same God. It's just that we have more information and we have a greater pool of reservation, uh, revelation to, to draw from. But if we want to trace our uh, theological, our doctrinal origins, we must go back to Israel. Uh, we reject what they call replacement theology, meaning that the church has replaced Israel and God has expelled them from his grace. You can't get that kind of an understanding by reading your Bible. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Read uh, the fact that God has uh, re the revelation Israel is all over the future prophecies. And so God has not done with his people, but... What he gets down to here is um, in uh, 
verse, uh, verses 1 through 4, he talks about that they ate of the same spiritual meat, meaning the manna that fell from heaven. They drank of the same spiritual rock, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, what he is doing is Paul is able now to see and understand why God got so upset in Numbers chapter 20 when he wouldn't let Moses into the promised land. He said, you messed up God's painting. God, Jesus is the rock. He was smitten in Horeb. In Rephidim, he was smitten twice. That's not God's picture. Jesus was going to die once on the cross. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's why God told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. All the nation of Israel drank that water. They ate of the manna. They went through the Red Sea. The Bible tells us that the the following under the cloud that went by day and going through the Red Sea was a picture or a type of baptism. But we get to verse 5 and it says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were for our and samples to the intent that we should, now he goes through a list, not lust after evil things as they also lusted. They remember the children of Israel? Well, things were pretty good in Egypt. We had leeks and we had onions and we had bad breath and garlic. Uh, we had all that good stuff and all we have out here is manna. Um. How many Christians lust after the world? What do you think the purpose and the main drive of the contemporary Christian movement, music movement is? It is lusting after those things that are in the world, wanting to sanitize them and Christianize the world and make it a little nicer uh, and we could go through individual examples, but just one outrageous example I remember because when I was in Bible college, I actually wrote a paper citing this group. It's called Striper. I think a few of them are still around in wheelchairs or something like that. Uh, but they dress themselves in black and yellow spandex, and uh, they took the verse out of Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed, but they look like bumblebees. And uh, their music was somewhere between heavy metal and thrash metal. And uh, they looked, uh, they made up their faces to look like a really bad imitation of the, the rock group Kiss and others who would paint their faces. And I mean, long curly hair. I often, uh, I am so tempted walking down the street and you see this uh guy walking with a girl and he has better hair than she does. Ladies, if he's got better hair than you do, beware. Trust me, there's something wrong there. And uh, there just really is. Uh, because you you really don't want to be married to a guy that has to put curlers in his hair and spend three or four hours getting ready to go out in public. Uh, that's okay for the ladies, but... Uh, uh, you know, we just got something wrong here somewhere, do we not? And yet they claim to be Christian 
heavy metal music. I want to challenge you. These examples here, these sins, and the truth was, they weren't good enough to make it in the world. They did not have what it takes. They were not willing to do the wicked things that needed to be done in order to make it in the world. So, they did it for Jesus. And a lot of stupid people, I'm sorry, using that in a medical term, low IQ, low thought process, adopt, oh, this is wonderful, isn't it? good music. There was one of these groups called POD. They played it for, I'm going to get the name wrong. It was Howard Stern is the dirty mouth commentator, right? Isaac Stern, I think, is a musician, uh, classical. Uh, but um, they played this music for Howard Stern, and he says, I like that. And he said, don't you, weren't you listening to the words? It's Christian. He said, I don't care if it's Christian. I like it. Well, I want to tell you something. If he likes it, I don't. Just guilt by association. In politics, you can pretty much know how to vote. If Hillary's for it, I'm against it. If one of the senators or uh, Congress people from, if AOC likes it, I don't. Uh, it, you don't have to think very hard about this stuff. You see, one of the great problems of serving Christ is putting one eye on the world. Now, I know you're listening to it. Nobody else. This is yours. But if you're listening to musicians who are trying to cross over to the world, guess what's going to happen in your own heart? One of the founders of this. How many people even know who Amy Grant is? She is one of the founders of the contemporary Christian movement, one of its pioneers. I walked into Kmart or Walmart, and I heard this voice. And I said, I know that voice. I mean, she's got a beautiful voice. A recognizable one. Here is the song. The next time I fall in love, it's going to be with you. And she was singing a duet with one of those guys, the only way I know how to describe it is if it hurts that bad, stop singing, take two ibuprofen, go home, get better, and come back. You know, uh, I just, just, I'm sorry, can't stand that stuff. If it hurts that bad, don't do it. And uh, we have a lot of Christian singers who watch all this stuff and they're doing that same thing. When Amy Grant could make the jump into the world, She's good enough. She did it. She came back because she understood how really bad it is over there. But I want you to know, this chapter here is telling us that the children of Israel lusted for the things of the world and God destroyed them and they missed out on the blessings. And if you're not careful, your music... You can desire the things of the world. I'm not telling you that all bad music is, is horrible to listen to. Some of these people are very talented. Some of these people have great ability. Some of these people just 
draw you in. You have to constantly watch yourself. Some of it is idolatry. Look at the next one. It says, uh, uh, Neither be ye idolaters as some of them were. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's talking about the golden calf. Um, the world is wanting to come in. And one of the things about music, you have to understand this. When you stop talking about sacred music, the key element, the key distinctive of sacred music is it's humble music. Sacred music points me to God. But worldly music points me to the performer, does it not? Uh, which one was that? I get them mixed up. Jerry Lee Lewis was the piano player, and Jerry Lewis was... The comedian, I think. And Jerry Lee Lewis was actually the cousin of Jimmy Swaggart, a Pentecostal evangelist. And I'll tell you this, Jimmy Swaggart could play the piano better and sing better than Jerry Lee Lewis. But He's the one that would put one foot up on the piano and play and jump up and down and turn around and do all of those things Jerry Lee Lewis would. And uh, I remember as a kid, my mom watched Jimmy Swaggart every Sunday. Mom, why have we got to listen to this creep? Oh, the music is so good. No, it's not. It's whirling. 100%. It's all about the performer. It's all about ability. Now, don't raise your hand if you did this, but chances are, if you grew up in the 70s, you had posters on your wall of rock and roll idols. Boy, it got quiet. Well, the Bible tells us to flee idolatry. That we're supposed to stay away from this. Now, look at the next one. Immorality. It says, neither let us commit fornication of some of them. Uh, how many songs have been written about sin? Especially in the country western thing. Do you know that Conway Twitty sang songs that were actually censored by the general public and not allowed to play on most radio stations? This was in the late 70s and early 80s because the words were so vile that they wouldn't play it on the radio station. Now you put a rap beat to it, and they make Conway Twitty look like a Sunday school singer. Uh, and they sing about things and curse. I mean, uh, my, my favorite resort, retort to this is uh, the Blue Jackets manual. Someone gave me one from 1942, I think it was. That is the training manual for the United States Navy. And uh, this is what our sailors during World War II, this was their code of ethics. This was their, uh, how they had to live. And in there was a story of an officer walking across an upper deck and two sailors were down below him. They didn't know he was there. And one sailor was cursing his fellow sailor. And the officer said, I put them both on report. 
He said, I put the one sailor on report for cursing his fellow sailor. And he said, I put the sailor who was being cursed on report because he didn't object to what was being said to him. So some of it must have been true. Now, do you see what's wrong with that is a proper way to if somebody curses you and calls you filthy names and you don't object, you're agreeing with them. There's something wrong with that in, in the life of a Christian. We, we need to be careful. Cursing is a terrible thing. And it doesn't have to be a four-letter word to be cursing. And so as we look at this, uh, what was that one country song? You can't have my Kate and your Edith too, you rascal you. Those are actually words from the song. And if you know the song, shame on you. Um, But they would write songs about immorality. Does that have the place in the life of a Christian? One of the songs I was taught as a little boy was, Mom likes coffee, Dad likes tea, little brown jug, I do love thee. How many of you know what that's talking about? Uh, and uh, my dad got saved after, uh, I, I remember uh, watching my father get baptized in those things and, and uh, those little ditties. In fact, if you do John Thompson piano, I think they have that song in there. And uh, uh, we, we need to be careful about these things. They tempted Christ. Verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. How did they tempt Christ? They were not satisfied with what they had. They said, our soul loatheth this light bread. Manna is not enough. We need something more. They said the way was too hard. You know, it's, it's not easy to stand against the world and say, I'm not going to listen to that kind of music. I'm not going to participate. I am going to be satisfied. By the way, satisfaction is a choice. Satisfaction is a willing choice that you have to make over and over again. Uh, I heard a radio show guy talking, and I'm going, boy, this little twit's got to be a young guy. He doesn't understand. He was. He said... Yeah, passionate love you're looking for when you're younger, and that's why you have many relationships. But as you get older, you look for that friendly love, and it gets higher. And I'm sitting there going, oh, come on. Uh, Obviously, you either are not married or haven't been married very long. You don't have a Bible wedding. You don't know all all of these things. You're just speaking off the top of your head of that which you don't even have a clue to what's going on. Do you know how you keep your wife and you keep your husband? By daily choosing to say, by God's grace, this is all I need and all 
I want. I will be satisfied with what God has given me. Can we do that with our music? Do we have to invent new ways of praising God that sound weird and bizarre? Have you wondered where this Pablo Picasso and all of this really whacked out artwork comes from? It comes from a heart that is torn in two by sin and despair and they try to put it on canvas. The musician in his creation tries to take that same angst and put it into notes. And that's why you have a song written, I believe the title is called Stardust, where it says, slam the piano lid three times. It's right there in the musical score. Because somehow that noise is supposed to help uh, bring out the message of the song. Well, I'll tell you, the piano lid gets slammed every once in a while in our home. It's because somebody is just messing around instead of playing the piano. Uh, uh, Listen, these things come from sin. The last one is murmured. We are supposed to, look at verse 11 here. Now, all these things happened unto them for end samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, this is the proper heart attitude when we approach music. Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I I will tell you that there are types of music that are very enjoyable to listen to, but they're bad music. Jazz is bad music. Oh, but it's so smooth. Uh, uh, what What is uh, standing on the promises? Rough? Uh, you, you need to understand that this music is built... On the willful choice to do what my whim and my fancy and my heart demands. That's how these songs are written. They have a chord progression. Your solo guy will just keep messing around until he finds something that he likes. And then the next guy will come in and and they will collaborate the music out of total improvisation. The melody, the whole thing, it is What feels good, do it. That is the basic rule of jazz. That's how it works. You don't need that philosophy in your life. I don't care how well you like it or what you think. We've got to work on these things. We've got to remove the country and the jazz and the rock and roll and these perverted music styles from our life if we're going to serve God. These parts aren't for question because they talk about these very same things. And honestly, there is a lot of crossover here. And so you have to be careful. You have the, uh, the country singers that are now doing what they call rockabilly, bringing in uh, some of the elements of rock. And you got the bluegrass guys doing fusion, which are bringing in the new age weird stuff into 
just a simple banjo, mandolin, and they're all looking to do something new and different. Now, here's what uh, uh, Paul says, and we're, we're not going to get through the whole chapter here. It says, uh, verse 15, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What shall I say then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now, how many of you can get out of that passage, I'm allowed to do anything I want? I'll tell you what, it's not in there. We have to be careful about the music we allow in our life. You say, but I like it. I know. Get your liker fixed. Amen? Uh, you have to con- you have to constantly work on this. We have to strive because if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves holding hands with the devil. That's what this is talking about. We're going to find ourselves fellowshipping or communing. Now, when it comes to church music, as long as I'm the pastor, if everybody leaves and nobody comes. We're still going to have good music here. And we're not going to have anything else. If that's the price, well, that's the price. But it's Jesus that has to build his church. And we're, we're trusting and we're praying. And that's one of the things we need to pray about is God will bring some more people into our church. I'm thankful that he has. But we, we want to see some growth again. Uh, there will come a time. What did Jesus say? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's a pretty sobering question. And we're we're seeing things happen, but here's what we need to understand. The idol is nothing. Paul says that. Go back chapter 6, chapter 8. He talks about this in the book of Corinthians. Idols are nothing. The sacrifices are nothing. Yes, we understand that. But as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to stay away from the altars of the devil. And you can go to Carnegie Hall and find an altar to the devil in some of this classical music that is offered just as easy as you can in the rock and roll, in the country, in the jazz, in in all of these other things. We must understand that 
Number one, God's not going to take your salvation away. So here's the question. Is it the best choice? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. How many of you know what it means to make an unexpedient choice? I made one the other night, Friday night after the Scripture Assembly. Uh, we've been working on the computers here, and uh, the letter B stopped working on the keyboard. The only problem is there's two B's in the password that opens the computer. Isn't that hilarious? So I got on the train, walked down to uh, Broadway, and got on the train to go to the Apple store to pick up a new keyboard. And I'm looking there at the board, and it says, four trains in a row all going to Dittmarsh, and not a one of them going back to Manhattan. means they're taking them all out of service. How long is the train? And the guy says, it'll show up there. I said, it's not showing up there. He said, oh, at least 15 minutes. And I said, forget it. I'm going to Steinway Street. So I walked the whole way down to Steinway Street and get to Steinway Street. And guess what? Ten more minutes till the first train came. Not an expedient choice. I got there. I got back. But I got there quicker if I had just had a little patience and stayed still. Listen, as we're making decisions, we understand that God has given us an eternal salvation. Can we say amen to that? The question is, the decision I am making to allow this or that into my life, is it expedient? Is it the best choice? Could I not make a better choice? And the second thing is, it says, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. You know, there are some things that just don't help. They don't build you up in the faith. You say, but can't I enjoy life? Yes, enjoyment and relaxation God has given us. He talks about rest all through the Bible, that it is for our strengthening and for our building. Do you realize that you can go longer without food? I mean, with being food deprived than you can go with being sleep deprived. In fact, you can live longer without water than you can without sleep. I mean, you, you can go, I think, about the longest you can go before you really start. I mean, you, you're going to be hurting yourself. You go three days without one bit of sleep, and you're going to be in serious danger health-wise. You could have a mental collapse. You could have all kinds of even system failures. Your body was built to rest. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have... Uh, Joy and fun and strength, but we have to understand there's an awful lot out there that is not edifying, that is not expedient. Now, he goes through this next section here, and he says, listen, if, if you go to the store, you go to the shambles, and there's a piece of meat there, 
buy it, take it home. Be careful. I have met people that are so introspective about everything they do. They spend their whole life investigating themselves and everybody else. That's what these next few verses are talking about, warning us against. Hey, if you know something is wrong, by the way, uh, I don't know how many of you picked it up in uh, the uh, presentation of our missionaries. Uh, Some of the music was a little edgy. Did anybody else pick that up? Uh, And if you did, I talked to the missionaries. And I just said, uh, do you realize this? And he said, no. He said, "I, I didn't hear that. And so... Uh, we put the video on and I went through to that one certain spot and it was just one song that his wife had picked as just plain background music. And if you didn't put it on a big set of speakers like we have here, you don't even hear it. But in my office with a sub-bass subwoofer on that, oh, it was just boom, boom. I said, that is a percussion track in the background. He said, Pastor, he said, that is not our intention. I said, good, I just need to know that because I wanted to talk to our church about taking up an offering to help him buy that building. And uh, so if you want to think about that and bring something special uh, next week and we'll look at our missions fund and see if we can't, uh, I'd like to give him at least $1,000 toward purchasing that building. I think we can do that. And uh, I think that'd be a worthy cause and we should. And I said, I got to know, I got to be confident because some of our people heard that and I'm going to have to answer it so that they're not coming up uh, two weeks from now and saying, Pastor, we, we support that missionary. He had bad music in his uh, presentation. And, and so, and some people didn't even hear it. Don't worry about it. If you didn't hear it, don't worry about it. But uh, listen, when something is made evident, now look what it says here. Verse 28, but if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake. You know what Paul's actually saying here? He says, your conscience ought to be pricked by dangerous behavior on the part of a Christian. The Holy Spirit will help you. No, he's not going to speak to you in an audible voice. But how many of you have experienced this where you say, I know this is wrong, but I don't know why. How many of you have actually experienced that? That's what it's talking about here. Don't violate that conscience. That's the Holy Spirit trying to help you. And it may be that there's, quote unquote, nothing on the surface, nothing you can point at. But we want to follow the leadership here. And we come to the last part of this. Verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, that includes music, do all to the glory of God. Can, can you listen to this song and be thankful to God for it? Will this song give offense Neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. He says, I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Verse 11, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, when, when it comes to church music, 
as the pastor, I have the final responsibility toward me and God for what we do in church music. That's just where it is. So if I ask you not to sing a certain special, uh, I'm just trying to be as careful as I can as your pastor. Am I going to make every decision right? Uh, I'm a human being. Uh, And if I err, I'm going to try to err toward the godly side rather than the worldly side. Amen? And we're going to work together. When you have a choice of what music and what things you're going to take in at home, ask the question. What are you putting on your iPod? What are you putting in your ears? And this will blend over into the world of entertainment and movies and all of these things. Someone told me about this program that takes all the cussing out of movies. And I said, oh, wow, I need to check this out. The only problem is all the movies that were there were movies that I would never watch in the first place. I mean, uh, one of these things I was just, I got checking it, it would tell you how much time was removed from the movie. And it was an hour and a half movie, and it was down to 45 minutes on this VidAngel program. And I said, you know, I think that it would be in my best interest spiritually not to go there, even though all the bad stuff is removed. Because if they're removing half the movie, uh, I don't think I ought to be watching that in the first place. Amen? Uh, We need to be careful. Our heart is the the whole thing. These things were for an example. You think you're more spiritual than Dathan and Abiram were? Do you think you're more spiritual than Aaron and some of these other men who made all of these horrible mistakes? I challenge you. We're not. But if we'll keep our hearts in the right place, even in this wicked day in which we live, God will give us the direction we need To live the life that he would want us to live. And you cannot. You cannot read this Bible. And believe that God is for living a worldly or carnal Christian life. That God, Jesus wants us to go to the world and learn things from the world. You cannot believe that if you read your Bible. And so... Let us practice. Now, if you're looking for good music, see me afterwards. See Hannah in the bookstore. Uh, we can, uh, we've got access to some good music right here in the bookstore. Several CDs and things you can buy. Uh, you can go on to johnmarshallfamily.com and download literally hundreds of great songs. Uh, you can go to the Heartland Bookstore. Most everything they have, yes, amen, quartet, has got some really edgy songs. I just don't even like them. And, and Brother Sam has talked to him about that. And uh, uh, and they're, they're being a little more c- careful, we hope, with the next album release. But, uh, uh, again, there's nothing really wrong. It's just that, It's really close to being 
wrong. And we ought not be comfortable with getting as close to the world as we can. That's the heart that Paul is trying to portray in this chapter. Are we, we together on this? I think so. And, and we need to allow God to tenderize our hearts. We need to make sure that we take heed because we can fall. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would work in our hearts. Music is a very sensitive issue. And Lord, that we would be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and get some music off our playlist maybe if we need to do that and, and redirect our hearts and our desires. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take our prayer list here and just...